Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And today I have a wonderful chat with Joe DeSanna. Joe is the CEO and founder of Spartan and The Death Race. And in this episode, Joe describes why he started Spartan Obstacle Course Racing and why Spartan is different than Ironman and triathlon. Joe shares stories of his youth growing up in Queens, surrounded by the mob families, building a lucrative pool business with 700 pools, getting accepted into Cornell University and selling the pool business, and then his time in Wall Street. Joe is someone who is desperate to squeeze everything out of life, and he's okay living a Spartan life. In fact, he prefers it, challenging himself and never getting too comfortable. This is an inspiring conversation, but before we go on, a quick bit of housekeeping, and Thanks for always support of the show. Now, could I ask you a favor? Would you be willing to share this show on your social platforms or just tell one person to listen? That'd be massive for me if you could do so. Also, please keep the feedback coming. I am listening and it is all incredibly helpful. And finally, I do encourage you to give the sponsors of this show a try. I hope you enjoyed Joe DeSanna. His journey and his process is just simply incredible. Remember, Success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. I want to give a huge shout out to Athletic Greens for supporting the show and for just being there every day for me. Athletic Greens is now very much a part of my daily routine. Just such a simple way to get a delicious blend of 75 superfoods, vitamins and minerals and probiotics and so much more. I really encourage you to invest in yourself. Invest in your own health for your performance optimization today and for your longevity. Sign up and have it delivered straight to your door. It's just so simple, tastes great, and does what I really need for my health. I've also been doubling down on Athletic Greens Vitamin D. Just a huge proportion of the population are vitamin D deficient, myself included. And I focus heavily on getting out in the sun throughout the day, but when I can't, I religiously supplement with vitamin D. And right now, if you order, they'll give you a year's supply of vitamin D plus five free travel packs. Athletic Greens is just so much more than a multivitamin and multimineral. It takes to the next level, adding in a daily dose of superfoods, probiotics, greens blends, and so much more to support your gut health, your energy, your immunity, and stress. So please do yourself a favor and sign up. It also makes a great gift for a family member or a friend. So sign up now and get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Now, you've probably heard me on many of the episodes discussing high-priced products with my guests, whether it's sitting in the Normatec compression boots, which I've been doing after solid workouts for, well, 10 plus years, or it's the Hypervolt percussion massage devices that I use daily to warm me up before going to the gym, or the vibrating massage roller, which I use before every run. All of the hyperized gear is just so easy to use and just keeps me going. My goal is to keep moving, keep physically fit for many, many years to come. And using the hyperized products are just helping me do just that. So simple, quick and easy to look after my body at home. And I've just started using the new Hypervolt Go. It's surprisingly powerful and whisper quiet and ultra lightweight at only one and a half pounds or 680 grams. And it's 30% smaller than the Hypervolt. The Go is ready to provide relief wherever you roam with three speed settings, two interchangeable headset attachments, 18 volt rechargeable lithium ion battery. And like I said, lightweight, easy to use, one and a half pounds, 680 grams. And it's TSA approved for carry on. So 
Get 10% off at all Hyperice products using code GREG10 at checkout. Go to hyperice.com. That's H-Y-P-E-R-I-C-E.com and use code GREG10 at checkout. Are you someone who uses bike computers while you ride and or wearable devices while you run? Would you like to have it while you swim? For years, I've been using bike computers and wearables on the run to gain feedback to help efficiency and performance. And now I can have it while I swim with the Form Smart Swim Goggles. Honestly, these goggles blew my mind. I put the Form Smart Swim Goggles on and immediately could see the metrics on the screen. I love playing with my stroke rate and seeing how it affects my pace, just as I did on the bike for most of my career, always trying to find the best cadence to generate power and create the most speed. With Form Smart Swim Goggles, you can see all the metrics while you're swimming, distance, pace, stroke rate, and heart rate. They have it all. The swim data is displayed on the goggle lens, and you can customize the display to see the metrics you want to see. The goggles track it all and are automated. You start them at the beginning of your swim, and you don't have to press any buttons in between. They automatically track everything. The goggles connect to the Form Swim app on your smartphone, and there you can review all the details of your swims and see what other swimmers are up to in the Form community as well. Battery life is incredible. One hour charge gives you 16 hours of swim time. So go to formswim.com forward slash Greg. That's formswim.com forward slash Greg and get $15 off, or you can use code Greg15 at checkout. All right, my guest today is the CEO and founder of Spartan Events and the Death Race. He's a New York Times best-selling author of Spartan Up, Spartan Fit, and the Spartan Way, and host of the ever-popular Spartan Up podcast. He's an ultra-endurance athlete with remarkable stories of human endurance and perseverance. In one year, he completed 50 ultra-endurance events and 14 Ironmans. But he's far more than CEO of an events company, author, athlete, and podcast host. He has a life mission to get people moving, get people healthy, get people excited about taking on their own personal challenges and helping people find strengths inside them that they didn't even realize they had. He's one of the world's most influential motivators, and I, for one, am grateful and inspired by his commitment to helping others. It's such an honor to have him on The Greg Bennett Show. So welcome, and thank you for joining me, Joe DeSanna. How are you, mate? Thanks for having me. I, I, you just gave me a new way to describe myself. I'm a motivator. I like that. <laughs> I think after this last year and watching uh, your Facebook and and your movie, Un The Unbreakable CEO, that you guys put out on YouTube, I really, in preparation for this, I was like, wow, this guy gets it. He really gets it. So, um, you know, and I think you've got some big goals ahead of you and trying to get people moving. And, and I think that's fantastic. I'm trying. Not always easy to get people moving. <laughs> no. Well, I've just done my 10 burpees and 10 squat jumps in honor of you before coming on the show. I mean, I always do a little bit of uh, something to get the blood pumping before before we start recording. So thanks for coming on again, mate. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. We well, should, we should, um, you should edit in a moment of silence where everybody has to do their burpees. I like that. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Everybody, do your burpees right now and then we'll come back. <laughs> most people listening to this fortunately i think are usually out for a run or on their bikes or um usually fairly active group already of people doing it but i've i've truly enjoyed preparing for this episode just your journey and your process it's just really inspiring mate so i want to sort of just dive right in if that's all right and um let's start with the name spartan why and how was that name chosen for your company i mean it's obvious now that that was the right name. Mm. Um, I can't believe that we have that name. 
I mean, when I, I have to pinch myself when I'm in Sparta, Greece, I was just emailing with the mayor of Sparta just before you called. And um, just it's just unbelievable to me that we were able to secure secure that, pick it, work on it, polish it, protect it. Mm. Um, but when I think back to how that happened, you know, 11, 12 years ago, uh, there were lots of options on the table and my cousin laid out a bunch of names so that we could sit around the kitchen table and just see which one jumped off the page. And it started as Spartan race and then ultimately it became Spartan. That's yeah. awesome. Was the, did the movie 300 influence it at all? You know, I can't recall if at that moment sitting around the table, we thought of 300, but certainly it's in that movie's influenced all of us. It, mm. You know, it made the Spartans relevant to, to our generation. Um, then again, you know, anywhere I go in the world, we're located in 45 countries. I could be in China anywhere. And everybody studied Sparta and the Spartans in school. Mm. So, so whether it's the movie, whether it's the history, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, when you hear that word that you better get to attention. Right, like, live, live, live with a little less stuff. Or, yeah, I mean, I mean, you could be you could be in Washington D.C. looking at all these government monuments, and and you see, you know, Lycurgus, the, the founder of Spar. You see an image of him chiseled into marble. So, like, it's had an effect over the last twenty five year, twenty five hundred years. It's had an effect globally, everywhere. Mm. Mm. I think it's a fantastic name. It's it's a name of strength, isn't it? When you think Sparta, Spartan, you always, and maybe there's an influence in the movie there with Gerard Butler. You know, <laughs> we are Sparta, but whatever it is, I think it's a iconic name, and and you guys have done incredible things with it to even promote it beyond what it is. And you know, I've spent my life in endurance sports. You know, largely focused on triathlon, probably thirty five plus years in the sport of triathlon, and. And I used to say to people before obstacle course racing kind of took off, I said, you know, triathlon is basically obstacle course racing for adults. And then all of a sudden along comes Spartan racing and obstacle course racing. And I've just watched it grow and grow. What, what are your participation numbers like now? Well, right before COVID, I was smart enough to buy Tough Mudder, mm. our, our fierce competitor. And, um, and then obviously I got crushed. Um, during COVID because, you know, owning, owning one of them of was hard enough. Owning two of them during, during the pandemic was difficult, but, but if you combine the two, you're looking at about a, one and a half million people per year across 45 countries. Um, you know, we just had an event down in Florida. I think there were 6,500, 7,000 people attended. So, you know, you do, you do 325 events, 45 countries, each event gets uh, five to eight thousand people. Um, it's it's a big, it's a big audience. It's a big big uh, tribe. Mm -hmm. and, and is it mainly is it made up of you know many people coming back? What's your retention rate like, or is it first timers? Very strong retention rate. Yeah, um, yeah, very, very strong. Um, you think people would be based on the numbers of. Uh, you know, people being obese or diabetic or whatever, you'd think they'd be one and done. But what ends up happening is they get hooked on the drug, the drug of, of uh, working hard and sweating and challenging themselves and, and just being around other people. I mean, it, you probably appreciate it now more than ever with mm. the pandemic, but uh, the community is so strong, you know? 
like-minded individuals. So they come back. They come back a lot. Um, the numbers are pretty impressive. Have you found, uh, you know, you spent many years doing sort of the ultra endurance events and, and Ironman triathlon. And are they, is it a, the same kind of crowd? Is it the same kind of people? Is there anything that makes obstacle course racing Spartan athletes different than the Ironman triathlon sort well, of group? I'm about to piss off everybody in the Ironman crowd. I, I, I did a lot of Ironman events. <laughs> and um, I know I know the CEO really well. I know the brand very well. I, I was involved with them in the late '90s, um, trying to help the actual company. So I, I know Iron Man well, and I have nothing bad to say. But since you asked the question, mm-hmm. I was at an Iron Man in Lake Placid. It was pouring rain. I mean, it was it was raining cats and dogs like you read about. And I watched some of the top athletes drop out of the race. And I finished the event and I was pissed because I thought to myself, you know, they're probably not looking to, sh- to show their sponsor that they didn't win or their time wasn't that good or maybe it was too cold out. And I thought like the name of this brand, the name of this challenge is Iron Man. Like whether it's raining, whether your bike seat falls off, whether you don't have your wetsuit, you lose a shoe during the run, whatever it is, you finish the thing. And so I started Spartan. And, and what I found was certainly folks that are doing triathlon, it's good, right? They're pushing, they're pushing hard, they're tough. But they almost become a victim of their own success in the sense that, like, before you know it, you get sucked into buying a $5,000 bike and an $800 wetsuit, and you're trying to save five ounces with your bike seat so you can go another, you know, mile an hour faster. And and you lose some of the grit, mm. right? And so I said, I want to create a race where you come out of the swim and your bike seat is missing and your chain breaks <laughs> and, you know, you don't have your shoes when you go to do the run. I, ha- I was in a race once and, and um, I did this race called the Eco Challenge mm. and um, someone stole my sneakers before the event. We were in Fiji, okay? I had to do the entire race in bike shoes. Uh, it sucked, but I was in Fiji. I had already told everybody I was doing it, and there's no way I wasn't like. And so when you say, like, are oh, the audiences similar, human beings are all the same. doesn't matter where they are, what country. We're all the same. But we learn helplessness, and I think, I think the commercialization of iron you know does that make sense what i'm saying it like i think it became so much about the gear and the really spec whereas when you look at spartan you look at like the actual training like i tell people just put sand in your shoes get your shoes wet get rid of your wallet no food and go for a long run with you know with 60 pounds on your back you know so like it's just a different Mm. ethos it's a different way of training it's a different mindset i i'm going to keep rambling on this because i'm so passionate about it i've had the olympic the u.s olympic wrestling team come up to the farm in vermont we have a farm where this all started Mm -hmm. these are wrestlers anybody listening to this would think like these are tough okay and surprisingly you know four or five of the men showed up four or five of the women showed up they were they were tough on the mat they were tough, you know, when everything was aligned for wrestling. 
But when I asked them to chop wood or push, you know, a 500 pound spool up to the top of the mountain, or like that was completely outside their comfort zone. And they like, they didn't want to do that. That was terrible. That was ridiculous training. Mm. And so I think sometimes we get so disciplined, we put on blinders, we're so focused on our little thing that we do all day, every day, that we lose the very thing we, st- we were looking for when we started on the journey, mm. the grit and resilience. That makes sense? A hundred percent. I think, I think if I was to sum it up, it'd be, we get comfortable in our little world of uncomfortableness. And it's this kind of, I know my own career, I raced for 27 years as a professional athlete and, and got very comfortable at a certain distance doing a certain style of racing and under perfect conditions, I loved it. And, and as I got older, yeah, I got more and more comfortable. I didn't want to do the extreme cold races. I didn't want to do the extreme hot races. I got very comfortable in going, okay, this is, this is kind of what I want to do. And you do, you, you, you fall into the trap, even though it's meant to look as a, an uncomfortable experience doing a triathlon. I became very comfortable at taking myself to the nice edge of, you know, threshold pain, if you like, but I was very good at managing that. It wasn't an uncomfortable to the, to the mind or the soul. I knew where I was going to go and I knew how to do it very, very well. But if you'd thrown me, even in the peak of my fitness to go up against obstacle course races or spend a week on your farm, I have no doubt I would have struggled and I still would struggle, right? I mean, so the whole point of it is what you're trying to do is almost shake people up get them uncomfortable, truly uncomfortable, you know? Yes. And, and I think that that's what you're trying to say. The difference between Spartan and Ironman is simply that people get very comfortable in Ironman and they buy comfort. They buy comfort with shoes and bikes and anything else they can to be comfortable. And it's like, well, hang on guys, let's get you out of this and, and, and make you uncomfortable. Now you've, you've made a goal of getting a hundred million people physically active right? And you're at 7 million. So how are you going to scale and grow this number, you know, being that we come out of COVID and everything in this next sort of six to 12 months, how are you going to do that? Is it, is it about kids? Is it about, how do we do that? Well, I mean, it's a bold, it's ambitious. It's, it's going to be very hard to do. It makes me uncomfortable, right? Which is the goal, like you said, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there's 7 billion people on earth. So you're, you know, you're talking about 15%. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, one and a half percent of the world's like it's not that big uh, of, of of a percentage, not that big of a number when you look at the whole world. Um, how am I going to convince a hundred million people to get uncomfortable, get off the couch, sweat, wake up early, jump in cold showers, and do this? Um, I need the audience that we already have to do that work. I need the ten million people that have done our events. To, to go out and round up two friends. Mm. That's the way it works. I can't, I can't do it. I, I could talk to them blue in the face. I used to lie to people and tell them, um, we're going to have a barbecue this week and come up to the farm. But it wasn't really a barbecue. It was a race. And, but that was the only way to get them. And so I can do it, but I, you know, I can't reach that many people. It's got to be the folks that are already doing it and roping others in. Mm. It's interesting. I just had a, a guy by the name of Ed Baker on my show, and Ed um, was the international growth expert for um, Facebook, and then he moved across to a small company called Uber, and then was with Uber for four or five years. And so his whole thing is about growth, and he talks about a, having a K factor of one is the perfect amount where it's you're growing at the right amount. Each person tells one person. 
he said a growth factor of more than one can actually get you into trouble because you may not be prepared for that many you know at any one moment and a growth factor of less than one means you know you're not going to actually hit your right amount so i have to put you guys in touch and he can help you with that whole getting the people that have done it to all share it with at least one person to tell them come out and sign up i would love it yeah yeah, yeah. Well, if we need all the help we can get if we were selling popcorn and cotton candy this would be easy <laughs> exactly well i mean because you're working on it's a human psyche at a dna level that we seek out comfort and that's not always the best thing for us to grow and become more resilient. You know, we need the stress. You know, a lot of this show is about discussing the right amount of stress in our lives to, to grow and become more resilient and learn. Yeah. Um, and so I've also read that you, you're actually keen to see Spartan into the Olympics. Is that something you want? Yeah, because I think, I think if it becomes part of, you know, culture and becomes part of like, the whole Olympic story, then it's an easier sell for a husband to convince his wife, a, a girlfriend to convince the boyfriend, uh, cousins, whatever, like, Hey, we're going to go train for this. Mm. If, if it's still outside the norm, which, which I think we are a bit, right. We are the, 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 the black sheep a little bit, right. The dark. Yeah, well, you, you're where triathlon was in the eighties. That's how I look at it. Yeah. We, we need, we need it to, to have um, a, a little bit of a narrative that says, wait a minute, this is, these are the strongest people in the world, men mentally and physically. Well, then that young child, those people, everybody's going to jump on board and will be more likely to change those 100 million lives. Mm. I think, uh, you know, for myself, when in the 90s, I was a part of triathlon when it got accepted into the Olympics. And it was it, it was good and bad, I, I think, as, as an athlete, all of a sudden we were having to answer to federations and um, the IOC had full control of the sport and and so it wasn't all good when you're already an established professional. Later on, I understood some, you know, what it was really about. Um, but it'd be interesting, you know. I, here's a question: Was obstacle course racing in the ancient Olympics? Do you know? Of course, it was <laughs> since the beginning of time. Yeah. Whether or not they had, you know, a rope climb like we look at it today, or a, well, you know, it could have been uh, the decathlon uh, in, in some in some format. But um, unfortunately, we don't have photos from back then. But yes, wrestling was in the ancient Olympics. There was some form of obstacle racing in the ancient Olympics. There was um, not horse and carriage, which, which chariot racing mm -hmm. in the ancient Olympics, um, which would be cool to add to an obstacle. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I think it's fantastic, mate. It's one of my regrets, actually, that I haven't done a Spartan race yet, only because uh, I was so focused heavily, like I said, being comfortable in my own uncomfortable sport of triathlon. But it will happen. I'm looking for something to do for my 50th uh, next year. Actually, you and I have the same birthday, January 2nd, by the way. So happy wow, birthday. no wonder I like you. Yeah, there we go. We're <laughs> so I'm looking forward to something for my 50th next year. So I'm going to reach out to you off, off air and figure out. You're going, you're going 100%. You're going to, um, you're going to come to Sparta, Greece. Oh, mate, I'll be in all over that. Let's celebrate our birthdays over there, huh? Let's do it. Do something epic together. Well done. Right. Perfect. <laughs> now, you weren't always an endurance athlete, right? I mean, this where did all this discipline and dedication come from? I mean, you often talk to athletes tend to have that in their DNA, but that's not your background. Where, where did you grow up and, and what kind of childhood did you have? 
You know, I grew up in a, and if you've seen the movie um, Goodfellas, I grew up in ground zero for Goodfellas. So <laughs> the Varios lived across the street. It was, it was craziness. But, um, but as a young person, you, you didn't know any better. And I was attracted to the guys that had the big cars, the nice cars, a hundred dollar rolls in their pockets and the, the nice clothes and they were respected. So I wanted to be that the kid, my friends wanted to be that. Mm. And, um, but I didn't know if I was tough enough. You know, I had red hair, I had light skin. Most of the kids in the neighborhood were Italian with uh, dark hair, dark skin, more Sicilian. And, uh, they tell me, they tell me I'm from Northern Italy, but I was, I was doing some, re- I was just in Italy a few days ago, funny enough. And I was doing some research while I was over there. And I guess there was, um, there was an invasion from Normandy, uh, way back. So maybe I got a little bit of that in me, but, but I, I didn't think I was tough enough. And so I would carry around, you're going to laugh, uh, duffel bags full of rocks. Um, I would take cold showers. I just needed to know if I was tough enough to, to fit in, you know, I love that. And, um, then I, I loved bikes. I loved like BMX bikes back then. It was somewhat popular. Yeah. I have a BMX bike and, and, um, I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the best, but you know, there's a story when I was in my preteens, my mom wouldn't drive us to the bike race. And so I said to my friends, come on, we'll wake up early. We'll bike there. Not knowing it was over 70 miles in each direction. <laughs> and, uh, we did it. <laughs> and, and so I, I, through maybe lack of intelligence or whatever it was, I had, um, I definitely had that Spartan gene to, um, to push myself, to test myself. Nothing was going to get in the way, but I certainly was not a traditional sports. I skied, I was on a freestyle team. I skied, right? Freestyle would make sense. It's a little unorthodox at the time. It wasn't ski racing. Mm. Um, yeah, but nobody, nobody introduced me to, you know, I didn't have, I, again, I was in this weird neighborhood and the, the sport was going to jail. <laughs> that was, well, it's a pretty tough neighborhood. Were you? Do you think these days? I mean, you touched on you know you grab your BMX and you ride seventy miles to, to do a BMX race and then ride home. I can't imagine parents, any parent, kind of allowing any of that kind of these days. I, I have a story where very similar. I was about fourteen, fifteen, and I wanted to ride from northern Sydney to to a town called Batemans Bay down the south coast. Of, of New South Wales. And it was a really long ride on a very narrow Pacific highway before it all got built up and massive trucks all on it and everything. And mum and dad let me go and away I went and, you know, I didn't quite make it actually. I punctures and everything else. Anyway, they picked me up on the side of the road about 10 miles short of where I need to get. And I, now I laugh with my parents because there's no way parents do that anymore. Do you think that's kind of a part of this whole people just getting really, really comfortable? Yeah, I think um, I think we learn helplessness, right? And so, if our parents—I have children now—put mm. boundaries on us and 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 uh, box us in, friends box us in, family boxes us in, um, and I, I I think because my parents were getting divorced, I lived in this crazy place. There was no there were no guardrails. Mm. Uh, any anything went. Um, so so uh, it's delicate balance, right? Because uh, it's a different time today. I want my kids to have some of that, but then they're pretty organized and wrestling and this like, so the very things I'm complaining about on this podcast, 
I might, I might actually be creating. Mm. I get it. Well, I think as a parent myself, a new parent myself, this last three, four years, it's kind of, I'm, I'm very careful at saying, be careful. <laughs> it's, I, I, I've noticed that everybody around my three-year-old says, be careful. And of course I want to be careful, but I'm trying very hard to let her explore, let her fall. Um, you know, and, and it's that I get it now being a parent that you want them to be able to explore. You want them to be able to fall, but at the same time, how much are you meant to be protecting? And it's, it's a, it's a fine balance. And, and I've seen some of the videos with you and your kids and, and bringing in a bit of the, the old school hard knocks kind of thing. And they seem to really embrace it though. They seem to have really, do they still embrace it or are they pushing it away? My kids, um, my, you know, this morning, like every morning, I woke my, my kids up at like 4.55. Mm -hmm. And I'm playing 1970s rock. Sometimes I get a bagpiper to blow bagpipe. Like, I'm a crazy person. And my wife, they all think I'm nuts. But like, my thing is, life is really short. I watched my mother die at a young age. I watched my father. Like, we got to squeeze everything we can out of each day. Mm -hmm. We got to get it done. And people listening right now are going to think I'm an absolute jerk and, and crazy person, right? Who wakes their kids up? You should let them sleep. And I guess my thing is um, when I'm not around, they're going to have to wake up early to go to work. <laughs> mm. They're going to have to wake up early to feed their kids. To, like, like unless, you, unless you have a different schedule somehow, most people have to wake up early to get stuff done or they're late or they're behind or they're not high performers. Mm -hmm. So why not start them doing it before they're having to do it on their own. A quick mini break. I really want to encourage you to do something special for yourself and sign up to Athletic Greens and get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. I'm loving the new Hypervolt Go percussion massage device from Hyperice. It's powerful, quiet, lightweight, and TSA approved so I can use it while I travel. Check out the Hypervolt Go and all the other incredible Hyperice gear at hyperice.com and use code GREG10 for a 10% discount. That's hyperice.com. If you want to see all your key metrics like pace, distance, stroke rate, and heart rate while you swim, you need the Form Smart Swim Goggles. Go to formswim.com forward slash Greg. That's formswim.com forward slash Greg and get $15 off. Or you can use code Greg15 at checkout. We keep talking about our morning routine or what time we get up. And I think the, the conversation has to start at what time you're going to bed. I mean, for us, it's we're all in bed and asleep by 8, 15, 8, 30. That's 100%. We, we, we push and push and push. And then I'll wake up anytime between four and five without the alarm. My three-year-old will come out around 5.30, and, and we And we're up and going. But it's, it's kind of understanding that it's get that night routine right. <laughs> and the morning looks after itself, you know. No, uh, I, I love that you said that because that's my fight with everybody. I love yeah. it. It's funny. Everybody gets comfortable though, you know, Netflix or whatever it is, watching whatever they're watching. And it's like, no, 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 no. Prepare for the next day. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, but from there, I mean, 
you've got some business behind you. I mean, you're obviously very business savvy. What was your, you know, your childhood and now sort of moving on? When did you sort of start getting into business and, and what did that look like? Well, my neighbor was the head of a banana organized crime family and he saw that my family was getting divorced. So he said, hey, why don't you clean my swimming pool? Come on Saturday. So I showed up. That was my first job. It's going to pay me $35 to clean his pool, which was a lot of money. Yeah. And um, he sat me down when I got there and he said, listen, on time is late. I was probably there a little late anyway. He said, you got to be there 15 minutes early. If, if somebody asks you to come at eight o'clock, you got to be here early. Number two, if, you, if I'm paying you to clean the pool, you better, you better go above and beyond your job. Clean the furniture, clean the shed. It doesn't matter that I'm not paying you for that. You got to make yourself um, so that, you know, the customer can't live without you. And then number three, never ask for money. You'll get paid if you do a good job. And he walked away. And those lessons, those three lessons stay with me forever. And he helped me build a business. I mean, he gave me one friend after another. They were all bosses. And <laughs> it was the entire organization of five crime families. Um, I ended up uh, going to college, which was another crazy story. And um, while I was at college, I went to Cornell. And, and while I was at Cornell University, I would go back and forth to New York and work uh, my business. And, and I ended up paying for college. And um, when I got out, I had a friend who I met at Cornell, an older gentleman who said, you really need to go to Wall Street. You need to get out of the neighborhood. But I didn't know Wall Street. And I kind of liked the fact that I was friendly with all these bosses. And I don't know, it just felt cool the same way we all like to watch movies about mm. um, organized crime. It, it, it felt really cool in person. Um, but he begged me, begged me to go to Wall Street. So ultimately I sold my business, which was a pretty big business at the time. I had about 700 customers. And um, I moved to uh, New York City and I, I took 45 steps backwards in pay because I was making a lot of money with my own business. And I worked uh, on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. I worked in the research department. I was lucky enough to find a job where I learned the entire industry of finance, ultimately starting my own firm on Wall Street, which was a bold, very uncomfortable, crazy, stupid move. Um, didn't work right away, but ultimately worked. And then uh, sold it. Met my wife, bought the farm, got some goats, got some chickens. Um, started a wedding business, started at Spartan and, uh, and then the story goes on, you know, I, we, we, we had four children and, and, um, and I've, I've had a lot of experience in business over all these years. It's, uh, you're quite the enigma. I mean, it's this, this coming from Queens, knowing the mob family, which still just is blowing my mind, working, working. And cleaning all their pools. There's almost a, there's almost a movie here. I mean, getting into Cornell coming from Queens and getting into Cornell, that in itself is an incredible story. You know, how, how did that all come about? Well, a friend of mine, I was graduating high school. I wanted to go back to the neighborhood to run my business. And a friend of mine said, you know, why don't we go to Cornell? And I said, well, my grades aren't good. My SAT scores aren't good. And I got this business and he said, well, my dad's a professor. He'll get us in. And I thought, okay, that makes sense. That's the way it works in the neighborhood. So he'll get us in. So we both applied to Cornell. We had our interviews. My dad was so proud, right? First kid 
in our family to go to a college and uh, not only a college, but a Ivy League school. And neither of us got in. His father, it turns out, couldn't get us in. Hmm. But now I was interested. Now I wanted to. <laughs> so we found out that we could, we could take classes uh, like anybody could take classes at most universities and uh, do some, you know, extra uh, learning after, after college or whatever. And so I could take three classes and prove that I was capable of handling the, handling the workload and um, did it, uh, reapplied, um, didn't get accepted. They didn't, they didn't want to have somebody come in the back door. So, uh, so I was pissed and I did it again and again. And on my fourth try, I was thinking of quitting. I was going to pack it in because clearly they were not going to accept me out of principle. I was going to go run my business uh, back in New York. And my mom, my mom said, before you move out of town, because my parents were divorced, my mom lived in Ithaca, which is where Cornell is. Mm. Before you move out of town and go back to the city, uh, meet my friend. I teach, I teach her yoga. My, mo- my mother taught yoga which was complete opposite of anything going on, right? It really is. (laughs) She was a vegan. She taught yoga. She's very hippie-ish. And I met her friend and her friend said, oh, you know, I look at your grades, your transcripts. It looks like you did pretty well over the last, you know, three and a half semesters. Um, Do you like textiles? And I didn't really know what a textile was. And she continued and she said, well, I've got 92 women in the textile department and we've got no men and we're looking for some diversity. Do you like textiles? I said, I love textiles. (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up in the textile department and I studied women's hemlines and um, it turned out to be an excellent choice. If I had to do it again, I would do, I would study textiles because at the time, the U.S. was losing the industry. It was going to Asia. So we studied quotas. We studied regulations. We, we studied the actual business of running you know, a textile business, Warren Buffett's original business. And um, it was awesome. And to boot, I could watch any movie from any time period and tell you, based on hemlines, what time period that movie's from. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is absolutely – I don't know. I – Listening to your story and your journey, it truly is a fantastic one. I just love all the different the different roads you've been down. It really is it really is extraordinary. I mean, let's move forward to you bought the farm. Was that the time that you found your passion for endurance sports that you, you kind of left Wall Street and, and went there? Or when when did that all happen? I was um I was five or six years into my endurance journey doing these crazy races all over the world. And, um, and I was looking for a place. I just met my wife, my girlfriend at the time, just looking for a farm, looking for a place to settle down. And uh, randomly found it in a, in a real estate magazine on the back of a seat on an airplane. It was near Killington, Vermont. I had skied at Killington as a kid. When I was a kid, um, I was in so much trouble that my mother took me out of my regular school and put me in a school uh, an hour away for one year to straighten me out. Mm. The school I got thrown out of was going to Killington for a ski trip. So I lied to my family and told them the school was going. And I went on my own to meet the school I was thrown out of. 
And it turned out, it turned out that, you know, they had just gotten like three feet of snow. It was 55 degrees and sunny for three or four days. And so my memories as a kid at Killington were incredible memories. And, and so when, you know, I saw this farm near that place, um, it was an obvious choice. And to be able to live on a farm and have a mountain and trails and there were no ticks at the time. Um, ticks are a bit of a pain in the neck in the in New England area. Lots of people get Lyme disease. Mm. Um, I, I didn't have to worry about a mountain lion attacking me because I knew I was going to spend a lot of time in the woods. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we bought the farm and I started inviting people up. Like I said, I would tell them that I was having a barbecue. They didn't know they were the ones being barbecued. <laughs> um, and then, you know, death race was formed and Spartan was formed. And then I had to move, then I had to move from the farm because I wanted to grow the company. I was competing with Tough Mudder. I wanted to grow the company in Asia. So I told my wife, why don't we move to uh, Singapore? Why don't we move to Japan? We'll move to Canada. And we moved around the world with our young children, which was wow. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we just had a blast. That's that's awesome. Did you do you think you had some um what do you think your your talents and strengths are when it comes to this endurance component that you you obviously are attracted to? You're you're attracted to being uncomfortable or, or challenging yourself, let's put it that way. Is that a talent or a strength that's learned, or do you think there's something innately in you that likes to I mean, like I said at the top of the show, fifty ultras in one year plus fourteen Ironmans in one year. Is that you race those because you don't like to train or you just like to, what is it about you? What do you think it is? Well, one, I don't like to train. I, I, I was always fascinated with, um, back in the seventies, Rocky Balboa movies that showed that a boxer would be in tip top shape and then get out of shape. Hmm. And, um, I was always fascinated with that. And so I, I like the idea of always being in tip top shape and, and always having a fight on the calendar. So that was one motivation. Um, the other motivation is it just becomes addictive. It's mm -hmm. really addictive to get to a place where you just want water, food, and shelter. Um, dealing with all the other bullshit in life, um, it weighs on you. You know, mm. it's really, really nice to have a simple life, a Spartan. Like we go back to that word, right? A Spartan um, mm -hmm. life, and, and you get that for a moment when you do these crazy uh, challenges. Um, I was never fast, like I told you. But um, I could deal with pain. I have ADD, if you haven't noticed, and I um, I forget when I forget what's upsetting me. Like if you gave me some bad news right now, literally within twenty seconds, my mind said, well, "What was I just upset about?" <laughs> I'm on to something else. So yeah, yeah, so that's it's you know that's probably why I'm capable of of my mind just uh, running away from the actual pain I'm dealing with. Well, I, I think I've described it. Um, I think that working out is like the ultimate meditation. I used to train my old buddy, Simon Whitfield, who won yeah. Olympic gold in 2000, a good, good friend of mine. And we, we, dealt, we spent years together training in Victoria, Canada. And our long run on a Sunday or whatever day it was, we'd go for two or three hours. And sometimes it would be walking, some would be running, but it was our church on Sunday. It was the, it was the ultimate place to, to 
find yourself, to be mindful, to to connect with nature. To I mean, we made it social, so the, there was obviously the social connection, but there was there was no distractions. And I always say, I've talked about it with with mountain biking. I find mountain biking, downhill mountain biking. If you're thinking about anything else, you are going to hurt yourself. It it, it requires you be all in, you know, in focus on what you're doing. And I think there's something about these kind of I won't call them extreme sports, but sports that do challenge us and take us to a place that we haven't been before. I think it, it's it's fantastic. Now, you, you mentioned the death race. Can you explain that what what that is for for listeners for people that don't know? Death race is um, an anything goes race that that was born out of this crazy idea that I mentioned to you. Um, you know what happens if I put on a triathlon where I make people get on their bike anyway, even though there's no bike seat, right? Swim across um, a, <laughs> a, a cold water bay that uh, without a wetsuit or whatever. Like what, what would happen? What, what if everything is turned upside down? How would the participants react, right? And would they get stronger, more resilient in the process? And so that was death race. It, it, it was meant to emulate life. Everything that can go wrong, does go wrong, will go wrong. And then, um, and then have folks either pack up and go home or push through and come out the other side stronger, better, more resilient. Um, and so the first year we put it on the farm, it was, you know, an Olympian showed up, five or six other people showed up, and we just kicked their asses. I mean, I had the Olympian crying. <laughs> and I, it was just nuts what I had them doing. And uh, chopping wood, cutting wood with a handsaw wheelbarrow you know eight miles up a mountain carrying a truck tire over another mountain um ice cold water going through a culvert but um it became known as like the toughest race around because you know we get to lie to you like again there's no rules how are you going to react if the rate if i want the race to go for five days it'll go five days if i want it to go for two weeks it'll go to like are you going to quit Wow. Maybe I'm going to go until you quit. Um, and so that was Death Race. And from that, Spartan was born. Do you, are you still doing Death Race? Does it still go on? Or yeah, is that, it still goes on. It, it still goes on. And you, how many people are you getting signing up for that these days? Well, we, only, we only allowed 300. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's still on the farm? On the farm, yeah. It is. And I've heard you do things like you you got to put together a barbecue or, or something in yeah. with only ja- Japanese exactly. <laughs> instructions. Exactly. And it's, so it's not just physical. There's a real mental and emotional anguish that goes with it, right? Craziness. Crazy. I love it. I love it. Now, I want to jump forward onto what I would term sort of the fundamentals of performance and things. Um, and and let's, let's have a look at you, your team and, and your family and relationships because the Spartan team, the people, who do you employ? I mean – Someone with your kind of discipline and desperation, just real passion for it. What are you looking for when you in, you know, you employ people? I think it's every. You know, we we had a guy we wanted to hire last week, and I said, "Hey, can you go down to the race in Jacksonville? Can you keep an eye on this product we have?" Blah blah blah. And um, he 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 went down there. He spent a few hours with the team. Went back to his hotel room. Uh, that is not the person we want to hire. Mm. The person we want to hire is an animal, a savage. Um, 
think about it, the person you'd want to be in the foxhole with, mm-hmm. right? That will get the job done at any cost. Just stay until it's done. No excuses type person. Mm. So you don't always get that. They're, they're a needle in a haystack. They're hard to find, but that's who we want on mm. our team. Mm. Do you have kind of criteria that you use beyond that? Like when are you doing the employing? I said to my team, um, coming out of this, this headache with, with this one, Mm. I described that all interviews from now on should be like that. Hey, you're not hired yet. Go down to this race, take care of this thing and just see how they do. It's a good way to do it. Yeah. Just see how they do. I mean, it's like everything else, right? You, you got to perform to show if you're worthy of doing a professional athlete or whatever you do. So why not? employ people by at least having them experience it first um you know you you you, we talked about sort of how COVID impacted all your events and you know having to furlough people and you know 45 countries and just it's been a tough year but you guys have you've done very well at the media side of things I think that you I feel like you guys worked incredibly hard at producing media throughout this past year but your merchandise and your nutrition I kind of want to chat to you about some of you, your new nutrition products that you've got coming out um, because I believe my, my publisher sort of mentioned that you guys are going to be working with um, a global powerhouse, uh, Tayo, that we've done a lot of work with um, ourselves. Are you, are you rebranding and, and re- refreshing some of your nutrition products? Yeah, of, of, um, of our product, our Spartan Nutrition, we have, we have some nutrition yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. we, what I found, tell me if I'm answering the question correctly, but what I found over the years is that um, folks don't have the energy when they need it. So they end up drinking a bunch of coffee covered in whipped cream or, or filled with whatever. And they're not hydrated properly. So they're sucking on goose or mustard packets or eating pickles or whatever, or they have nothing at all and they're frozen stiff on the side of a hill uh, because they're out of electrolytes. Mm-hmm. And so I said, in, in very much in a Spartan way, I said, we only need three products for, for these uh, one and a half million people each year. We need a hydration uh, electrolyte solution. I need an energy, energy solution. And then I need a recovery solution. So my hydration solution came out of a hospital. You know, my dad had heart because he didn't eat well, didn't take care of himself. He was in and out of hospital forever. Um, I learned a lot about uh, how they, you know, keep patients alive on IVs and so forth. And I found uh, hospital grade electrolytes that are compressed and slow release because the stomach typically can't take uh, a bunch of electrolytes. It can't absorb a bunch of electrolytes or water uh, as quickly as you need it when you're in a a situation where you need it. Mm. So um, in a hospital, you can take this and be prehydrated. Uh, and, and it, and it, and it's slow. Now you still have to drink water, right? But you can take these pills and you're getting the electrolytes, uh, in advance of needing them. Mm-hmm. I was excited about that. And I brought that to the endurance world and that's Spartan's hydration product. Secondly, energy. Um, uh, I found Spartan tea growing on the mountains in Sparta, Greece. I'll show you when you come for your birthday. Ancient tea that Hippocrates and Socrates drank that, uh, would be boiled, this plant would be boiled, and then they would rub the uh, plants, the wet plants on their cuts and bruises, and it translates from ancient Greek to English to he and she is of iron. 
<laughs> so obviously I had to have that plant. <laughs> um, we grind that plant up next to a green coffee bean plant, roots, leaves, stem, everything. And we <clears throat> make a pill out of it, an energy pill. Mm. So Spartan tea, <clears throat> green coffee bean plant, boom. We've got energy. It's got no whipped cream, no sprinkles, no uh, dairy, whatever. And, and it's super simple delivery system. It's just a pill. Um, and so if you're on the starting line or mile seven or mile 13, um, it'll give you four or five hours of energy. Same with the hydration. And then the tea itself, the tea you can drink and, uh, and recover the same way the ancient Spartans did. So those are our very simple. You're not, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to sell you four pounds, five pounds of powders and this thing and that thing and all the stuff you don't need that's going to accumulate in your kitchen cabinet. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to take the very Spartan approach to nutrition. Hey, talking about the the simplistic, but the it works kind of mentality. I I did watch you your you unbreakable CEO on on YouTube, and there was a moment there where you were waiting for Gerard Butler to turn up to this day spa where he was staying, and and it was almost like you were a little bit uncomfortable going. This is a five star resort. What if Spartan people see me here? Blah 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 blah, and. You were talking to the the woman that manages the place and she said, you know, maybe you need to have a spa. You need to, you know, embrace the massaging and, and all of that kind of thing. And you turned around and I think you've come up with a really great idea that I want to talk to you off air about and that's the Spartan. So we're looking at the spa concept of, of what it would be and you were talking about making the ice hot, you know, really hot, really cold, bed of nails, Jim, have you thought any more of that about starting a chain of spa to sort of spa centers? Yeah, you know, I am. Um, the pandemic kind of punched us in the face. So mm. all these extra things, these things I wanted to push out and do, I just I really had to put on hold because I got shut down in 45 countries. Mm. So I'm in the office right now that holds 125 people. And there's four of us here right now because I'm trying to get my team to brave the wild and come back into the office. Where are you at with events? I mean, you mentioned Jacksonville. You were the first, I think, yeah. participation yeah. event last year in June. You yeah. came down to Florida, Jacksonville. You had that that one race. Have you been able to put on more events around the world? And, and how's did, it looking I just for did you? Japan. I just did Spain. Um, mm -hmm. It's happening, but very, very slowly. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just kind of at the moment, it's almost hard to plan, right? Because you you don't know. Very hard to plan. Yeah. I mean, we're doing we're doing our best, but everything I'm seeing is is uh, going in the right direction. No, that's great. I want to I want to leapfrog over to mental strategies, and you seem very grounded. Understand the simplicity of discipline and hard work. <laughs> I'm I'm a big believer in it's it's very hard to motivate somebody else. It's it's kind of the you, you've you've got to have that passion aligning with some strengths and, and then create that purpose. Would you see it the same? Or do you think you can motivate somebody? And I I think you you have a, a term that you use Spartan paradox where where you get people to sign up for an event almost to scare the crap out of motivation them. is like a crutch. Like, mm. I mean, can you do, you, do you think down in, uh, in a really rugged part of Africa um, or down in, you know, somewhere in Latin America where, you know, folks are struggling in a favela in Brazil, 
and they're waking up in the morning without food. And they're like, you know, I just don't have the motivation. I want to go see my psychologist today. You know what I mean? And so you, the Spartan paradox is this idea that get a date on the calendar. Now, you know, on July 2nd, you're running 26 miles or 100 miles or 500 miles, whatever it is. And you have to FFIO, you know, figure it out mm. and wake up every morning and get the work done. Because if you don't, you're going to look like an idiot, just like that person I described. They don't. They're not going to eat. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I think it's it's um, it's really uh, a weakness of ours to sit around and talk about, oh, motivation and this thing and that thing. I like to just get a date on the can, just force myself to be disciplined to get the work done. Straight to action. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I like that. I like that. What I mean, we're talking about work. Do you focus? I mean, we mentioned a bit earlier about getting the kids to bed and getting to bed early. How much do you kind of look at sleep and recovery um, in part of all of this, or is it just sleep when you're tired? Is it is it simplistic, or do you well, actually look at more than that? I'm, I'm studying the science a little more. I've always gone to bed early. And uh, going to bed the same time, waking up the same time is very, very powerful for you, very healthy for you. Mm. So I've always, I've tried to go to bed early. I try to wake up early the same time. And now I'm even more particular about it now that I know the science. Um, and then every chance I get, if I'm on a plane or whatever, I don't, I just don't waste time. I mean, my, my form of entertainment, if I just need a break and just calm my brain down because I work every waking hour I'm working or doing it while I'm with my kids, my family, my, my cool down is on a plane. I might watch three movies in a row. Mm -hmm. If you had one thing though, if one, one thing, what would you, what tip would you give for people on just how to optimize their life? Just enter a race. Okay, or what would you give you more than one thing. Number one, get something hard on the calendar, a date. You're going to get married, a, a date. You're going to have to, uh, take a test on some, you know, difficult math formulas or another language or a running race. or Just get something hard on the calendar. Tell everybody you know you're doing it. Uh, could be starting a business, whatever. Because uh, if you don't have that pressure to get something done by a certain date, you're not going to do it. Mm. Number two, wake up the same time every day, drink two big glasses of water, squeeze some lemon in it or maybe some uh, apple cider vinegar. Number three, sweat before breakfast. Number four, don't eat outside of an eight-hour window. Your stomach needs a break. So if you if you eat your first meal at 9 a.m., finish your meal by 5 p.m. that day. If you go 10, go to 6, etc. Give your stomach a break. We were not meant to be eating all the time. Um, exercise a little bit after dinner as well. Uh, try to eat more plant-based, hydrate well, stay off the alcohol, stay off the coffee, and, um, and go to bed early. Brilliant. Pretty simple. Not, <laughs> I love it, mate. It is simple, but... not rocket science. I love it. I love it. Joe, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, mate. I really appreciate it. And just some really fantastic stories. Your, your journey is just really inspiring and and you're living life. I love that. You're very conscious that death is around the corner. That's how I like to, I wake up every day going, this could be my last, let's give it a go. And, and I think that's really impactful. So thanks so much again for coming on. And for everybody listening, you can check out uh, Joe and his Spartan Up podcast, his, his book, Spartan Up, Spartan Fit, Spartan Way, and 
everybody sign up for a Spartan race. Let's let's make it happen. 2021, mate. Let's go. That's awesome. So thanks again, Joe. And for everybody listening, you can find all the show notes, timestamps, links, and coupon codes at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. Thanks again, Joe. Stay on the line, buddy. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.